Hi, welcome to the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of the Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be meeting teachers and experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, I'm Kat. Welcome to the second ever podcast in Movement for Modern Life's Champions of Change series. I'm so chuffed that you have met me here and you found us. So in this episode, I meet Vidya Heisel. I have to admit, when I first met Vidya, who's a senior yoga teacher, she owns Frog Lotus International, she founded Suralila, and it was at her retreat in Suralila. I was just blown away by her. She is absolutely my role model of who I want to be. She's just so impressive. She set up the biggest retreat in Europe. She's built the beautiful Omdone, which you just have to see. Um, for practicing yoga, it is a space unlike any other. And whereas all the entrepreneurs in the tech community who I, um, you know, spent time with, um, you know, they shout about how they're making audacious goals and they're smashing it. Fidya is so simple and humble. She's a true yogi. She lives her yoga. She's passionate about yoga philosophy and she lives that yoga philosophy. She just wants to do something and then she very quietly does it. And I think that's so beautiful and that's a refreshing simplicity in this world where everyone shouts about what they're doing. Um, and she's bringing that beautiful and refreshing simplicity to her latest project. And I am absolutely in love with this mission Um so what she has decided to do is to simply reverse desertification in southern Spain. No mean feat. So, in fact, I found out um, since doing the podcast, I ask how much of the land is desertified in the world. And in fact, 38% of the world's land surface is at risk of desertification. Just imagine that. And what is it? Well, that's where the land turns to desert. That's a one-time thing. There's no going back. Imagine, there are once rivers, forests, abundance of wildlife, habitats for all sorts of beautiful creatures. And then it just turns to desert. And that's been in, what, two generations that we've had our intensive farming practices that have done this. Um, and it's human activity, of course, that have contributed to this. Um, and it's the sort of three threats of there's climate change, there's our water overconsumption, um, which obviously takes away from the rivers. And there's also the intensive farming practices. And they also, um, they, they also contribute to the water shortage. But I've, whereas I find it so outrageous, you know, I found out first about desertification in geography classes as a child. And, um, and I'm interested in the land. I'm interested in our environment and, and the decisions that we human beings as a race are making, the conscious choices that we're making. So I find it fascinating that we are choosing to do this with our land. And whereas I found it out, outrageous, well, video just very quietly and simply goes and founds this project, Daniel Dara, which I really encourage you to look at and um, the the website is in the show notes. Um, and 
donate and help her to plant some trees and reforest this area. There's nothing better that we can do for climate change than reforestation. And here is a woman who I would say is making small steps towards um, creating a more sustainable future for us all. But the step that she has taken has been magnificent. Anyway, with no further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Vidya Heisel. Vidya, it's always such a um, challenge. You know, <laughs> it, is, it is a challenge. I find it a real... And I can't believe I'm quite running a tech business when I'm so challenged at doing it. I hate it. It's bizarre, isn't it? The things we all end up doing in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey-ho. That's, that's, um, that's the way it goes. Um, yeah. So today, today we're joined by Vidya Heisel, who is the founder of Frog Lotus International Yoga and Sura Leela Retreat Centre and also the project Danya Dara. Um, and Vidya is one of the people who I admire the most. Vidya, I think you're absolutely phenomenal with your ability, your, the way that you frankly get things done, um, heading up that, the kind of projects that you do and the way that you run things is absolutely awe-inspiring. Um, and that was the reason why I wanted to interview you and find out more about your permaculture project, Danya Dara. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Kat. That's really sweet of you. Um, I, uh, yeah, Danya Dara was my latest project, although it's been going now for about four years. Mm. Um, but um, I, it was, it's affiliated with my retreat center, Surya Leela. But so basically what happened, um, how I started it was that I, you know, it took me when after I got the retreat center, which was eight years ago, I spent about four years just fixing up the retreat center and getting it to be the way I wanted it to be and um, building this amazing home dome and everything. And that mm. took all of my energy. And then when I'd finished all of that, I suddenly looked around and I thought, oh, my God, I've got 50 acres of land and I haven't even really been thinking about it. You know, we have uh, 800 olive trees and, uh, you know, they were just producing olives. We did harvest the olives the first, you know, the first four years that we were here. So we did that. But beyond that, we really weren't doing much except for a little bit of gardening and we started growing a few vegetables, but nothing re really very much. But then suddenly I almost went into a slight panic because I realized that I had all this land and I hadn't been giving it any attention. I'd never, I've never really been a landowner before. I've had a few mm -hmm. gardens, but um, I suddenly felt this huge responsibility to do something useful with the land. And, um, you know, one thing that I was very aware of is that there are a lot of problems in the south of Spain with drought. I mean, obviously, that's very evident after you've lived here for a few years. Um, we run out of water every summer. And um, so my first concern was, I wonder if there's a way that I can, you know, um, do something about the water problem. And so um, I started just doing a bit of research and I found out that it might be possible to increase our water table um, just through good land management and soil management. And um, 
so that then I got quite excited about that and I started looking for a permaculture consultant just to learn more. And um, eventually I found somebody, um, his name was Doug, is Doug Crouch and he was um, working in Portugal on a big project there. He's an American guy. And um, he came over and we consulted and um, I started to really learn a lot about soil regeneration then. Um, it was kind of a new subject for me, but I got very inspired and passionate about it. So I, I discovered that desertification is a mm. huge problem in, in Spain, actually, and that about 30% of, of the land mass in Spain is currently turning into desert. I mean, if it's not already, there's already quite a, a significant amount of desert but 30 percent of the land masses is going to be desert in within a few years so oh what's happening is the sahara desert is creeping a, you know down from africa and it's encroached into spain and if you look at the, the kind of um heat maps from above um europe you can see how the sahara is just like creeping into southern europe and of course with global warming that's um, you know, this problem's only going to get worse. And um, it starts with Spain really being the most southern, southernmost part of Europe. So I suddenly realized that actually it's quite, it's a dire problem right now. And um, really there's not many people that are really taking much notice of it in Spain. I mean, there's a lot of little pockets of permaculture projects and farms. So there are little pockets of people trying to do something but the government for example um is subsidizing like most governments do is subsidizing industrial farming mm. what i also found out um was that you know industrial farming is basically killing the earth killing the soil and um it's just through the like use of just repetitive monoculture farming um, they're just growing wheat and sunflowers here, basically, in this part of Spain. And it's just, uh, they just rotate one year wheat, one year sunflowers. Mm. Basically, they're not putting any nourishment back into the soil. They're just putting um, fertilizers and pesticides. That's what they spray the fields with. But you can see the earth here is in a really poor state. Like I, I go through a walk every day through some of the wheat fields and sunflower fields, and the earth is like, really turning into sand mm. and um and uh it looks incredibly dry and and chalky and um yeah it's just really in bad shape um mm. there's, there's no nourishment in it and, it and slowly the harvests are depleting as well um mm. so um that you can see the wheat it's very sparse in, in around here and um yeah basically what's happening is that over time, with all the uh, you know chemicals that they're putting on the earth, it's just losing its um, vitality, and it's not going to, in time, be able to produce in the way that it's been. Sorry, with that, with now that was my dog. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. Us and our little dog issues. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I think I might, I might even keep the dogs in for the edits because it's so, it's so <laughs> nice that we have these little beings in our lives sneezing and woofing. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you can't tell them be quiet. And <laughs> no, they have no respect for these silly <laughs> human activities. Quite rightly. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, so I mean, I think it's just a bad situation here. And I, I, the more I looked into it, the more kind of worried I was and the more I realized that it's very important as somebody who is a custodian of land here that I actually try to do something with my land that will be that will make a difference you know and I think that it really needs I mean we really need people in this area who are actually doing something different who are demonstrating that it's possible to have really fertile land here because another thing that's happened in this area is um, um, that a lot of all the young people move to the cities and they don't want to farm their parents land right, and right. farming has become a very boring occupation you know because all you have to do is, you know, just like sow one type of crop, fertilize it, um, and, um, you know, spray the pesticides on, wait for it to grow. <laughs> and our farm manager says they're all at home watching football, you know. Yeah. Um, they're growing their wheat and they're not real farmers, you know. They're just they people that drive tractors and, you know, put chemicals yeah. on. And they're not, they don't have the sort of pleasure of really, I think what farming used to be, you know, when, when you were growing lots of different things and your, you know, your livelihood was, you know, they do make a living doing it, but it's subsidized by the government. And, uh, and there's no, you know, people are afraid that if they did kind of more uh, kind of old fashioned farming, that they would be able to make money. They don't definitely wouldn't get subsidies and grants to do any other kind of farming. Gosh, how depressing. It is depressing. So, I mean, but, I mean, I think also, you know, it's also exciting to, to actually know that there is another way mm. and, and that we also, you know, we can demonstrate it and we can also try to educate people. And that's, that's what we decided to do, really, is that we want, first of all, to demonstrate that it is possible to farm, you know, in an economically successful mm. way. Um, using sustainable farming techniques that was the idea and um but not just to do it for ourselves but also to do it as an educational project so that's what we're doing um so we're gonna you know we're we're basically um running permaculture design courses here and um we also are doing actually coming up we have um an introduction to permaculture with yoga, which I think is going to be really an interesting thing to see how that goes. Because yeah, we want I to saw that. I thought that sounded brilliant. Yeah, we want to just, um, you know, show people what permaculture is because it's it's really exciting. It's a really holistic way of of living, and it and in you know permaculture covers a wide range of, of things actually, but. It, its fundamental premise is to live in harmony with nature and to farm in harmony with nature. And basically they, they try to imitate nature in the way that they grow things. And um, which I think really, I mean, you, you'd think that would be a no brainer really because nature already had its stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> but actually, no, I mean, like we don't do that at all. We're just growing everything in lo lots of neat rows and, you know, throwing all these chemicals on it and thinking that we know better, you know. And obviously what we're doing is just like killing, it's killing the earth. And I, I hadn't realized how serious that was. And, and also it contributes to drought. That was the thing that really um, blew me away, you know, is to discover that, you know, when the land starts become the soil starts being depleted and undernourished 
it becomes very dry and hard and, and the water is not absorbed by it when it falls. So when the rain falls, the water just runs off and um, it's not being absorbed into the land. So, so one of the ways in which um, we're attempting to do something about our water situation is just to create a very sponge-like soil that will you know, absorb the rain and that will build our water table. And then the more we can grow in it as well, like the tree roots and everything, it just all helps the water table. So um, it should help us with our you know, lack of water. So that was you know, one of the reasons I started the project. But now I'm, I'm much more into the educational side of things and I'm really excited about that. So we have this little um, introduction to permaculture and yoga coming up and it's just a four day thing. Um, on the 31st of August and um, and yeah it's just to come and introduce people to the whole topic and how they could use it in their own gardens and you know the whole whole subject of permaculture and if people had allotments or gardens you know like what they could do to grow in this kind of way and and it's really interesting I mean there's so many interesting things about it you know like using you know because we use pesticides but you can also use plants to protect other plants you know for example oh it's so, brilliant you know and if you want to protect your tomatoes you have to know what kind of other plants to grow with tomatoes so that you protect the tomatoes from disease and insects and stuff like that so um there's just like lots of amazing interesting techniques that they use um we're doing mm -hmm. something right now which is a bit outside of permaculture it's called syntropic farming i mean maybe it's something that's included these days i'm not completely sure but um syntropic farming is a way of farming with um loads of things crowded together they're all edible but trees and shrubs and herbs and everything that's edible but they're all planted very close together and they sort of almost share a root system and it, it's a new way, uh, they've been doing this in Brazil and um, someone just brought it to Granada and was teaching a course there. And um, a couple of our um, garden team have been doing these courses and how to um, do this in tropic farming. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and then um, other things that are included in it are also like eco building, like sustainable building is part of permaculture. And we've been doing quite a bit of that here. And um, our latest uh, project, I can't wait to show you when you come, mm -hmm. yeah. um, is, um, is Casa Azul, it's called, which means... Oh, is that the swimming pool? Yes, it's the swimming pool house. And I then, love that. Uh, I saw the start of it. It looks amazing. Yeah. So basically, um, part of our olive grove is in a property that is adjoining to Surya and it's where a lot of our staff live. And um, we had a swimming pool that we weren't using there, so it was just like an empty pool. And like, it was interesting, we just came up with this idea, maybe we could build a house in a pool. And then I, I kind of looked it up on the internet and it's, you know, of course, other people have built houses and disused swimming pools. Um, but then I asked Glenn Dunn, who um, is this amazing Irish gardener, actually, who also builds. He's the brother of Maggie Dunn, who teaches here. She's a yoga teacher. That's how I met him. Anyway, Glenn is this incredible kind of Renaissance man. He play, he makes up songs and plays the banjo and very Irish. And uh, he, um, yeah, and he's an amazing builder, gardener. And he built this um, 
house in the swimming pool. And I, you know, when I first asked him to do it, I had no idea how amazing it was going to be. And um, he's built this four bedroom house. Um, and it's just amazing. He's built it from all kinds of um, recycled materials. So he basically found a lot of stuff that was just lying around here, like old tiles. And um, and then he he ordered a whole bunch of used pallets that, you know, pallets that are used mm -hmm. carrying things. And, um, and he collected a whole bunch of cane from the river. And he's just built this. Oh, and old bottles. He used a lot of old glass bottles of different colors and mud. Um, we got all this um, clay from this sand um, factory nearby. That they were just extracting sand from mm -hmm. earth and it left clay. And they had a whole mountain of clay, which we were just like, can we have that? And, um, we, so we got, he got all these free things and uh, recycled things and um, has built this really phenomenal house. And, um, yeah, we're going to use the house as the headquarters of Danyadara. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and, is, and is it finished yet? Well, it's going to be finished in a few weeks, actually. It's very close. And, Amazing. Um, it's just really the most beautiful structure I've ever seen. I, I would just love oh. to live in it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be... Um, it's going to be dormitory space for students to coming to our permaculture courses. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to be a classroom and an office for Danyadara. So oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that because it's a completely unique building and it's just an example of what you can do. Um, you know, and, and actually he, it didn't really take him that long. I think he spent about, I'd say five months on it and he's had a few other people on the crew um, but he's been the main guy, and yeah, it's just really quite phenomenal. So oh, it's wonderful. And what I love about that is, well, it's it's like um, the main project, Anudara. It's like these things have just happened because you're like, oh, well, of course we need to have a think about what we're going to do with the Witherlands, and then of course we need to build something, but in a sustainable way. And yeah. it's sort of it's it's the fact that it's come from a flow almost. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Everything here is a flow. You're just constantly, I guess we're just constantly having new needs that have to be mm -hmm. met and then just finding a way to do that. And, and Danyadara really, I mean, Danyadara has been going for a few years now and it's getting really quite big. We're cool. making kinds of products now. So as well as the olive oil, we're also doing herb de surya lila because we grow tons of herbs here. So we're selling it instead of herb de Provence, we have mm. herb surya lila and that we're mixing all the dried herbs and making a really nice herb mix to sell sell in the shop and um oh, and so we're making herb we're making olive leaf teas actually because olive leaf is um it has um you know it's like a superfood it has antibacterial antiviral it's supposed to be good for everything it's just like an all-round tonic and um antibacterial oh, wow. thing so we're using it to make all kinds of cheese as well with mixing it with other herbs from the garden and um it's a little bitter on its own but um it's really really good for you so we're mixing it with like mint and ginger and that kind of thing and making teas as well so we're trying oh, to beautiful. products for, to support Danyadara. yeah uh, that that's um, and it's so amazing and um and and it's just that fact of just well what's here what's here and how can we make the most of what's here yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, that's almost like, um, it seems to me like it's a lesson in yoga. In, you know, we are perfect as we are. There is no need for anything else. You just need to really look inwards and feel a bit flexible and a bit resourceful about life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I'm, another lovely thing that's just started happening with Danyadara is that um, uh, I have always had my students help out with Danyadara just for a few hours at the end of my trainings um, mm-hmm. to do a bit of karma yoga. Mm-hmm. And they love it and um and this week a group that was here said we all want to help in the garden for a few hours like that was mm-hmm. we, did, we didn't ask for that but they offered you know so no. um I think it's really nice to be able to have even the guests come help out for a bit you know like just that because I think working in the on you know outside on the land is so good for your well sense of well-being anyway it's so connected with yoga I think in the yeah. sense that you know, you just feel really good being out in nature and uh, doing something and feeling like you're doing something useful <laughs> with the mm. with the land, you know, and help. I don't know. It just feels really a nice thing to do. And, um, and, and letting nature also, what I love about what you're doing is you're letting nature do its thing. Whereas yeah. most farmers or most gardeners, even conventional gardeners, um, you know, we've always been fighting against nature. It's like, oh, well, you know, this wants to happen, but no, no. we're good. And as a result, as you say, you just need to constantly put all the you know, water, extra water, extra fertilizers, extra chemicals to create this grand vision that we think that we have in our minds, whereas right. nature knows. Right. I mean, yeah, nature already has a grand vision (laughs) and it's doing it really well. Yeah, right. Before we came along. Yeah, before we came along. And so I really like the idea of just trying to work with nature. And, you know, we're doing a lot of planting, but we're just planting indigenous trees and trying to plant them in the patterns that they would naturally grow rather than in straight lines and everything. And uh, something something that people um, ask, which is about, because, of course, things are in straight lines to make harvesting easier. Um, how how does that work when when you are sort of working with the land, with the lay of the land? What's harvesting like? Is it a lot harder? And how with machines, obviously. Yeah. So I think that it's it's really more back to a more primitive kind of farming. And um, it may be not as efficient for harvesting, but I guess we're not harvesting huge amounts of things, you know. But um, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think people really enjoy doing that. Like the people who, we have volunteers working on the land here. Of course, Mm. if you had a business, you probably wouldn't be running it with volunteers. But um, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, it's hard to say, but... uh, um, yeah. you know because that's all about money industrial farming you know and I think this isn't more about um obviously you want to make a living with your farm if you're a farmer mm. and I think you you could you can definitely do that what we're trying to prove is that that you can get a lot more pro, uh, produce from yeah. a smaller piece of land if you do it in the right way and if it's grown yeah. but I, I think that they don't really like using uh, machines at all the permaculture crew they like work with their hands they don't even like using metal you know like or certain metals in, in the uh, soil because they say that it destroys the 
the soil. They don't even like tilling the earth with a machine because mm. of, of what it does to the soil. So I think that even though we've come along with machines and we've mm. kind of me mechanized everything, it's not necessarily the way things like to grow and it actually does disturb the earth. And uh, I, I think that, you know, going back to just working in the fields and working with your hands, um, mm. it's, um, you know, is, is what we're aiming for. And I don't right. know would work on a big scale but you know there's a lot of people that are unemployed so maybe that would be you know if we went back to a kind of more you know hands-on farming there would be more work you know for people too yeah, and, and I and I don't and I think that um you know in a way one of my bugbears is well industrial farming has led to obviously so many in so much increased food production which is great but then on the other hand we waste half of the food that we create so uh, maybe people would actually treasure it if right. they realized what it was like to grow it and pick it and things yeah and so also, not... like I just look at what we're growing here I mean it's also interesting because it's it's not even really healthy I mean most of the production around here is wheat mm. <laughs> mm. and mm. Uh, it's the white bread mm. Which is, you know, it's not a healthy thing. And um, sunflower oil, and um, they're making it, yeah, right. white bread, sunflower oil, that's what they're Great. growing. <laughs> it's so not depressing, healthy. isn't it? <laughs> and and um, anyone who hasn't yet been to Sierra Leone and experienced the epic cuisine that comes out of your home garden and amazing chefs i mean it's so amazing and diverse the amount of different foods that you guys have it's just so delicious and to think yeah. that in all the acreage around you it's white bread and sunflowers i know it is but um, anyway i'm hoping you know one of our goals is to be able to educate local farmers as well right I'd I, love to hear about that. So how's that How's that working? Well, how are the farmers taking it? Well, the thing is that we, we're not far enough along to really super impress everybody, although you, you can already see that we're this little oasis of green. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're going to have to be showing, like, you know, that we're really producing a significant amount of produce from what you know in a different way and I think it's going to take a little time before we really have something that people are going to really take notice of but we've already started um, inviting people here we've been inviting um, people from the local council who have to do with agriculture and farming Great. and like the mayors of the local towns because we just want to tell people what we're doing you know and I think that's a start so we've yeah. done do tours we've had like a several times where we've just invited local um, people that are involved in agriculture and shown them what we're doing told them explained and they were very impressed actually I find like you know Spanish people are quite open to new ideas interested you know and they're very interested in what we're doing but I think that they want to see results obviously and, that, and we too you know we want to show mm. them that um, we're having really significant results and one thing we started this year, which I'm really excited about, is um, we, ha we have found this guy who's an expert in uh, sustainable olive farming. And he, you know, works with organic olive oil um, farms. And um, he, we started working with him and he, 
he says that he can help us increase our production of olives by five times in one year with oh, wow. really um, amazing sustainable methods of farming so partly it's like um, feeding feeding the olive trees with the special compost that we make mm. and um, pruning in a certain way and using our animals to graze in between the trees so that we um, you know they fertilize the area and um, so we, we're just doing a lot, a lot of new techniques in Olive Grove, and I think that's going to be an exciting project to share because there's loads of olive, olive farms around here that are also just spraying with chemicals. And, mm. and I think if you can show that you can farm organically and actually get a better production, that's going to really interest people. You know, oh, we're going to interest. That's going to be a game changer for yeah. all of the Mediterranean. Um, yeah, and um, so we, we want to just start having this, um, the guy who's teaching us how to do it, we want to have him start to give lectures and we, we're going to kind of support it and have people come here and for him to explain what how he's increasing the olive production. And I think that will be something very measurable within a year or two, so it will be something we can really um, interest people in. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's really that's that's absolutely brilliant because there's just acres and acres and acres of olive groves and anyone who's been to the Med will just see. And it's just that the land looks so parched amongst all of those lines of trees, doesn't it? The soil looks yeah. terrible. Well, um, you, in traditional grow, uh, you can grow things in between the trees and that really helps. So we're mm. it's called alley cropping and um mm. We're also going to be doing some of that where you actually grow like pumpkins or something in between all the olive trees. So instead of having that exposed soil, which you're right, like uh, apparently I found out that having exposed soil is a sure recipe for it turning into mm -hmm. desert. You've got to keep it covered yeah. um, with, um, you know, even if you just put a cover crop down, mm -hmm. cover the soil, but you should never leave the land exposed to the hot sun like that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, I mean, it looks terrible. <laughs> it yeah. just looks parched, doesn't it? It does. Whenever I sort of see those things, it just looks yeah. sort of hungry and famine land. Yeah. Well, it is. So, You're completely right. It it's, is. It's wonderful that, you know, and it's funny that we've lost our way, humans as a race, so much that people don't see that so much, you know, that we don't see how far we've gone in the last 50 years or so of intensive farming. Yeah. Um, from the way that our ancestors yeah I mean I think like sometimes you just from, I mean I can totally relate to why people don't think about it I hadn't thought mm -hmm. about it myself until mm. I moved here you know mm -hmm. so and I'm you know I'm someone who's interested in yoga and alternative living and mm -hmm. I always thought, yeah permaculture sounds interesting and but actually, when you have some land suddenly and you're just confronted with what's actually really going on on the planet, I mean, I know there's a lot of people demonstrating about climate change right now, and that, that's really fantastic. People are rallying. And, you know, things like desertification, I really had never really read anything about desertification before I came here. So I think it's it's quite common that you, you know, that especially if you live in England, because you probably, you know, you have a lot of rain there and it just doesn't seem like you have drought and, the, you know, everything seems quite fertile. But I think, you know, desertification is a, is a huge problem on the planet. You know, slowly the planet's turning into desert and it's really happening, you know. Yeah. So um, I think that it's you know it's it's really good to just try and interest more people in this topic and 
we, you know, at Surya Leela, we do weekly tours here and, and we actually tell everybody what we're doing and why and about desertification. And I, so many people are just really, you know, it's the first mm. time they've thought about it. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and, and you're right. It's, is it something like a, a third of the world, I read, is um, in the process of being desertified? It's some ridiculous amount of yeah, well, land. You know, I know it's a third in Spain. Is so. that right? It's a third in Spain. Yeah, so I don't know about the rest of the world, actually. I couldn't give you a number on that. But, um, it but is a, a third spirit. of the land in Spain is a yeah. massive amount. No, it is. It's a massive amount. And um, once something, once land turns to desert, you can't change it back. So it's not. it's irreversible. Um, oh so yeah, it's not, <laughs> and, and also Spain grows a lot of vegetables for the rest of Europe. So, mm. um, that's in danger. You know, I think, I think people don't realize also the effects of industrial farming because you're right. We've only been doing it for 50 years and mm. on, on, on the scale that we've been doing it. And so mm. that's not very long in the whole scheme of things. And it, um, it's really not. And, and what's, um, I, I read this thing the other day, which was, you know, what does um, Jesus Christ, Mother Teresa, the Buddha, um, and Genghis Khan all have in common? It's like, well, they all ate organic food. Of course they did. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> because everybody used to eat yeah. organic, you know, and, and we don't think about it now. It's like, you know, nowadays people see organic as this new revolution it's like no that's the oldest way that you can eat yeah the pesticides are so new <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right and it's kind of crazy that we have to pay more money for something that we didn't actually use any expensive chemicals on <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it's it, it's a little bit maddening now because of course so many tourists travel to the south of spain and I mean, you can see that that's going to be a problem because there are already overstretched water resources. And yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts of the things that everyday people might be able to do if they are taking a visit to the south of Spain to um, to help out in some way? Or in, how how can everyday people who live in cities, you know, as, as you say, we're all so disconnected well, to it. I I think like, because it's funny, sometimes I see people just washing their hands, you know, mm. and leaving the tap running. And also those stupid mm. taps that you get in airports. That makes me really mad around here because when mm. you press the button and they keep running and running. Because yes. you have those in Seville's. I'm just like, that's so crazy in a place where there's drought that they have those kind of taps. Yes. But, um, but I think that, you know, people can just be aware when they're brushing their teeth, not just to leave the tap running that, you know, mm. For me, I've since I've been here, I've just gotten this sense of how precious water is in every drop, mm. and that you shouldn't waste anything. And mm. you know, I'm always trying to keep my shower water and water my plants with it. And mm -hmm. you know, I always just treat it in a different way now. You know, because we mm. we're so used to treating water like there's just unlimited supplies of it. Mm. And um, and actually, water, you know, water is life. We you know we we couldn't sleep. Mm without it but when you start mm. to see how precious it is um you just don't waste it so much you know because we just have it running down the drain all the time and and now also we have you know here we have showers that run into the garden um outside oh, right. in the summer we encourage people to go take a shower outside if they up for it because then, the, then they're watering the garden at the same time you know 
but, oh, um, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that just people going on, you know, tourists going to the south of Spain, they should mm. just be aware of short showers, you know, don't mm. let the run too long when you're cleaning your teeth or washing mm. your you know, just start remembering that water's actually really precious and expensive around here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, to be honest, in anywhere in the world, I think it's to be a bit more aware of the value of all of these things that we've taken for granted for so long. Yeah, absolutely, because I, I'm sure that, you know, there's going to be drought everywhere, you know, with the weather changing in the way that it is. And mm -hmm. I know they had droughts in California. And mm -hmm. you know, so I think there's a lot more places that, I think they even have them in England sometimes, right? Yeah, even yeah, no, absolutely. Last summer, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's there's less rain. Yeah, the climate, as you say, the climate is changing, mm -hmm. and we need to modify our behaviour. And there's so many more humans, and the things that all us humans are doing are so different to the things that we used to do. Um, yeah. You know, it's just requiring so much more resources to just live that we we need to modify our behaviour. And I and I like that. It's just as a small thing you can do, you're a holidaymaker, just be aware, smaller, shorter showers. Yeah. Just I mean, being yeah. aware of these things. Yeah, because it makes a difference. You know, it's a huge amount of water. If everyone halves the length of their shower, you're mm. saving a huge amount of water. So I think it's really important. And not flushing the toilet all the time is another, th another tip. Which yeah. I don't, unless you absolutely have to. You don't have to flush it every single time, that, you know. So, yes. Yeah. Those are um, good tips. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I just wanted to mention one thing, mm. which is um, we're our next two-week permaculture design course that Dania Dara is going to be in the summer um, on the 15th of June. It's a two-week course, and people will be staying for the first time in Casa Azul. Oh, that's <laughs> um, that amazing. We about. So, um, yeah, if there's anyone out there that's interested in actually getting certified in permaculture design, we have this two-week course. And, of course, it's with yoga and all of our oh. food and, yeah. So, but And in the most beautiful place. Sierra Leone yeah. is so stunning. And there's such a beautiful sense of spirit in the place as a soul. Yeah. It's a wonderful place. Oh, that, no, that would be an amazing thing if somebody wanted to take a deep dive into permaculture. Yeah. And in fact, it's something... I haven't I haven't told you about video, but um, when I first um, saw Dania Dara, and I've learned since about it, I'm also doing a permaculture design course. Oh, you are! Um, I am. I'm doing one locally to me, so that I don't okay. you know don't do the travel. Um, but yeah, I'm really. I think this area is absolutely fascinating, and I've I'm, I've got a little bit of a garden here, and I and again, you have inspired me. So. It's just knowing that your actions, one person's actions, inspire another person, and maybe I'll inspire one other person. And I think yeah. life's like that. So, so I'm I'm growing a little um, fruit forest. Um, oh. I've I've got a set of fruit trees and then some currants underneath that, and um, just starting growing my own food in this, uh, you know, just a little bit more natural way, hopefully. That's um, really exciting. Well, I'm glad you you inspired. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think that it's. I think we all have to inspire each other because I think it all mm -hmm. makes a difference, you know. And it think, really does. Yeah, I mean, even if somebody has a small suburban garden, if you're just to plant an apple tree in your garden, you'd be doing so much for the wildlife. You'd be doing so much for, as you say, for the soil, for 
the water for retaining um, water when it rains, you know, just doing one tiny thing, just planting one tree, you make a such oh, a difference. Yeah. Yes, I think plant as many trees as you can, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just think that that's one of the best things that we can do, really, is just to keep mm. planting trees, you know, mm. and even mm. plant acorns. One I time I was in Portugal and I joined this um, volunteer group one weekend to plant acorns all over this um, hillside <laughs> just mm. and re start regrowing the oak in Portugal because it's been you know pretty cut so many oak forests have been cut down in the same yeah. space as well yeah. I mean yeah they they cut down apparently all the oak trees in Andalusia to build the Spanish armada like a few oh, hundred years ago so I just think planting okay. trees is one of the best things that anyone can do to it is and and I think you leave you leave then a legacy you know then you know that your life has been worth it you haven't just sort of consumed oxygen and yeah resources or whatever yeah you know, you've actually left something that's meaningful and important that other people can enjoy and is necessary for all of the bird life and <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah we have so many more birds around here now that we've been planting so much it's really amazing and bees as well so I, I can see already the, um, you know, the insect life and the wildlife is sort of starting to grow around here. So that's really exciting. Oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. It's just wonderful. And it's so heartening when you sort of, again, have that connection with nature, have the connection to things that are going on in the outside world. It's sort of, it's first of all, it's a stress relief. It's just from a selfish point of view, don't you think? It's just... Oh, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I, I really, when I get up from my desk and I walk outside in the ground, mm. I suddenly feel so elevated by it. Yeah, just being out in the nature and breathing good air and, mm. and all the beauty around. Yeah, we all need that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think that as yogis, you sort of lose half of the picture if you're spending your whole time in an urban yoga studio. It's like, yes, that's really great, but you could just go outside and do something for the nat for nature yeah. which has which gives you gives you that same sort of feeling that as you said, elevates you yeah definitely in that way and if you live in london you can always come visit Zareli as well yes and and <laughs> support Daniadara and <laughs> and learn about permaculture yeah. absolutely yeah. absolutely i think that um as, as i say from my first trip to sierra lila you have taught me so much just from being there. And this is just one person. I'm sure that you're inspiring so many people there um, to return. You just take a look around you, look at nature, look at how things are growing and start to make some different conscious decisions. Again, that's what yoga is about. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully that's happening. And I think with the food, I'm also really mm. excited to, to, you know, just actually show people that you can eat vegetarian food and it's uh, really interesting and uh, delicious mm. so we have our own cookbook now so that's really great so we can share some of our recipes with our guests oh, that's, so that that's fabulous i'm going to have to put, put put a copy of that online so that people can um can yeah. get a copy of that that that's brilliant because your we recipes actually, are just phenomenal <laughs> yeah we sell it on our website and um yeah so you can get the link um and also i can send you the link um and also we have 
a thirty percent of the profits of the cookbook sales are going to Danyadara to support the non-profit permaculture project. That's amazing, amazing. Yeah. So we're reversing desertification through buying an amazing cookbook. Yes. <laughs> what, what could what what could be wrong? Gosh, Vidya, it's so amazing to talk to you about the things you're doing. And as I say, you you are one of the most, if not the most, inspiring person I've ever had the joy of meeting. Because what you do is it's so you make it seem so easy, but I know how hard it is to have an idea and then go ahead and do something about it, and yes. then to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard work, but I love it. <laughs> and do you, and do you have any um like tips how do you how do you sustain yourself to keep optimistic to keep positive to keep doing what you're doing to keep wanting to make the change what tips do you have for people who are feeling a bit overwhelmed um gosh i mean i think doing yoga is mm. <laughs> really yeah. helped me immensely you know yeah. just have, Trying to live a more, really, living a sattvic life helps me, really. I mean, I, I have a very quiet life aside from my work. I mean, not that I have much life aside from work. <laughs> I was going to say, that's my room <laughs> I have, I'm just very, you know, peaceful. And I I like to be on my own a lot when I'm not working because I'm, you know, a lot of the time I'm just putting out energy. So I mm-hmm. retreat. Um, but, you know, I I. Yeah, I practice yoga, pranayama. I I just listen to my teacher, you know, teaching mm-hmm. Bhagavad Gita. Um, I just, mm-hmm. I think I just live a very peaceful life outside of the madness of my kind of working life. <laughs> and somehow it works. It balances things, you know. And I, I think also eating really healthy food helps mm-hmm. a lot. And walking every day, I think that's, you know, it's good having dogs because you just have mm-hmm. to walk every day and I think, you know, just those are all the things that keep you kind of sane. Mm. Those are are lovely, lovely tips and thoughts. And I think that that would really be inspiring for people to maybe see that maybe simplifying life a little bit. Yeah, I think I think if you, you know, if you go out a lot, you socialize a lot, you drink a lot, it's kind of it just doesn't do much for your peace of mind, you know. Mm. So I just, you know, I'm when I'm, I suppose I'm a little older now, and I don't feel so interested in doing those things at all. Sometimes people are like, "We're going to town to have a drink. Do you want to come?" I'm like, "No, not really." <laughs> <laughs> and I feel so totally ha- happy to be at home with my dogs, you know, reading. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I do know how you feel. Yes, <laughs> but that that's um that's wonderful. And is there is there anything else that right now I mean to be honest I'd love to talk to you because you've got so many different elements of your life that are so rich and I could talk to you about and I'm sure people would find fascinating so the other things I'd love to talk to you about are your your envision course which is the course that you have for helping people to live their best life and also of course your school of yoga frog lotus international i need to speak to you about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and also about the experience of how it is running a yoga retreat center and a big yoga retreat center so you know all of these things are you have such a wealth of knowledge and then there's your yoga philosophy so (laughs) i do hope that we will have many many parts of a conversation that we'll be able to share with people 
Yeah, that would be great. I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy that, it. That's wonderful. And is there any last message you have for people right now? Well, I, I just think that it, it just to take an interest in, in these things, because I think that the more people educate themselves about what's happening with the planet, with Earth, with desertification, with mm-hmm. drought, you know, that, like the climate change, obviously that's something that a lot of people are becoming a lot more interested in now. We have to care about the future, you know, for our kids. And, and, um, and I think that uh, we can all, but we have to educate ourselves because if we don't take an interest in these things, they're just happening under our noses and we're not really aware of what's happening, you know. So I think educate. Education is the most important thing for me. Great. Great. Yeah. I, I love that. Everyone mm-hmm. to um, yeah, look, look around, open your eyes, get some knowledge. That's fabulous. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. Well, Vidya, I really so appreciate the time that you I really really yeah. appreciate the time that you've spent it was really good to talk to you Pat and thank you so much and uh, look forward to talking to you soon so I really hope you found that as inspiring as I do I think for me Vidya is just the perfect example of a yogi living off the mat and taking yoga into her life and transforming her life and the life of others. And to me, that's what it's all about. There's no point in making the shapes, which by the way, video does very, very well, um, without doing um, making yoga in your real life. So do check out Danya Dara, um, and links to that are in the notes. And also check out video's amazing classes on Movement for Modern Life, just go to movementformodernlife.com and there's a free 14-day trial. So um, I'm sure you'll find plenty of classes to get stuck into. And subscribe to the podcast if you're enjoying finding out about how yoga can be used as a transformational vehicle in the world. And um, enjoying meeting different experts and people who are living their yoga in real life. Okay, well, thank you very, very much. And until next time, bye.